We're going to turn in God's Word now uh, this morning, reading from uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 1 uh, down to uh, verse 18. And we're going to spend the next uh, two Sundays in Galatians 5, uh, and that's on b- about page 974 of the Pew Bibles, uh, but it's also be on the screens um, before you as well. But I, as always, I'd encourage you to open up God's Word um, if you can. It's great to be able to do that and get to know your way around it. So let's read God's Word together. Uh, Galatians 5, uh, verse 1 to 18, and we're going to continue this uh, thinking about um, the Holy Spirit, and we're thinking this morning about walking in the Spirit. Um, So let's read God's Word together. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you... We're called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch one that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. And may God bless us the reading of his word this morning. I ended last week's sermon by sharing about my encounter Uh, with the Holy Spirit that left me changed, that changed my life. It left me transformed. And I would say that it was one of the most significant moments in in my life. And that was, just in case you weren't here, I I shared that I'd asked the Lord into my life and I began uh, trying to follow Him. But in doing so, I was kind of like spluttering along and was trying to do it in my own strength. And then I went to a conference uh, and... through various things that happened, uh, I encountered the Lord's presence, His Holy Spirit, and I was slain in the Spirit. Uh, And it left me uh, changed and transformed. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't have Him before that moment, because to become a Christian, 
you need the Holy Spirit. You need God's Spirit. It's God's Spirit that kind of works in your life that brings you to the place of conversion. But on that Saturday afternoon in the Cala Hotel in Stornoway, with about 100 people who were there, it felt like, you might think this is pretty arrogant of me, but it felt like God had orchestrated that whole event just for little old me. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, that you've been at a church thing and you thought, that was just for me this morning. Well, that's what it felt like that afternoon. It was just for me. I was marked by God. I encountered his power and his presence, and it left me changed. And it drastically changed my whole outlook on life and the direction I was going in. My life was changed. I was in school on the Monday morning. I remember being in chemistry and telling the people around me what had happened, or trying to explain what had happened, that the Lord's presence, His Holy Spirit, filled me to overflowing, and, and, and it was just the most amazing peace. I went down under His power, and I was crying, and I felt the, the heat of His presence. My eyelids were fluttering, and trying to explain this to 16, 17-year-old people looking at me going, what in the world were you on at the weekend? It's a party I wanted to be at. It was it was so hard trying to explain it, but it was so real. And it's still so real. And it left me changed. It left me transformed. They must have thought I was mental. Trying to explain that the Holy Spirit overcame me and I went down under his power and he filled me. He marked me. And in so many ways, in that very encounter, I entered into the freedom of everything that Christ had for me. A lot of you know my background and my, the story of my family where I, I had a, a dad who was an alcoholic and the, the difficulty having to grow up with that and the, the, the weight that it left on me and I, I carried. But in that moment, just I, I felt like there was this weight that I never knew I was carrying was now gone. There was just freedom. I just had to tell people about him. I felt like I was on fire for Jesus. I just had to tell people about this amazing Savior who can change your life. If you ask him in, he will never leave you the same. You're marked by him. I felt no fear. I just had to tell people. Norman Afrin, what are you talking about? I'm sorry, Mr. Stewart. I'm just telling my friends about the thing that Jesus did in my life at the weekend. Well, can you wait? We're talking about the periodic table just now. I couldn't wait. I needed to tell people. I felt no fear. I went into the places of, of what you could call spiritual darkness as a 17-year-old lad. I've told you before, going to the Calendar Stones where the summer solstice were happening and all these new age people were gathering and they're worshipping the stones and worshipping energy and, and all these things. And, and I felt like I just I needed to go and tell people there. And it led me taking a witch doctor, doctor to church with me for a few weeks. I felt no fear. I had Jesus. I felt his power. These people needed to know. I felt like I was flying. I was free. I was marked by him. Touched by God. Filled by his Holy Spirit. Then fast forward a few years. And I had many other encounters. that I'm not going to go into this morning, but I will at other points. But fast forward a few years and 
I'm looking to leave Stornoway and come down to Big Bad Glasgow. And going from this place where everyone knew me to where no one knew me. And I crashed. Boy, did I crash. Spiritually, I got lazy. lazy. I started to get distracted by worldly things. I was meant to be flying. I was meant to go to even the next level. I was now at Bible college. But I crashed. I got distracted. I got lazy. And I did the exact opposite of what the Apostle Paul says here in verse 1 of chapter 5. I did submit again to a yoke of slavery. I went back into former things. The very things that I felt the Lord had saved me from. And the things that I was doing. And I knew I shouldn't be. I felt awful. I felt a heaviness. I felt a weight. I felt cold. I felt distant. I was still going to church and I was trying to put on a happy face and a smiley face. I could say all the things. I can play a good game. But my life was a mess. Freedom, the Apostle Paul tells us, is what Christ has set us free for. For freedom. Freedom is the call from the book of Galatians, this letter. Why? Because God wants you to be free this morning. I don't know if you ever feel like you're carrying a heaviness or a, a weight around with you. Well, the answer is very simple. Come to Jesus. He'll lift that from you. The guilt and shame of past choices and sin. Well, what Galatians says is that it is freedom in Christ. He longs to set you free. And this freedom that Christ has won for us is ours through faith in him and his death and his resurrection. He's paid the punishment. He's paid the price. And actually, we are free in Christ now. God longs for you to be free. So don't tangle yourself back up in slavery. He set you free from that stuff. The command and verse 1 is to stand firm in freedom. It's freedom that Christ has set us free from. For, And then the Apostle Paul goes on and he tells us that actually what the enemy of freedom is, and remember that he's speaking to the church here. He's speaking to those whose sins have been dealt with. And he says, look, there's a real danger for freedom when it comes to church. And there's an enemy of freedom when it comes to church. And that enemy is legalism. That enemy of freedom in church settings is a religious heart. And this is where Paul goes in verses 2 to verse 6 where he begins to speak about circumcision, which maybe sounds a bit strange for us, but he's speaking about people in this kind of 
difficult place where they are. You know, there's there's those that are Gentiles who who weren't Jews, who have been saved under the the, the preaching and the gospel of Jesus. There are those who've come from a Jewish background, who have grown up under the law. They've been circumcised. They've been marked as God's people. And now, how do these two things go together? How do those who are in Christ, who come from a Jewish background and and a Gentile background, how do they go together? Well, there's pressure from the Jews. Well, you should be doing what we're doing. We're actually a bit more holy. We we've kept still some of the law. We we're still marked by circumcision. And there's a pressure. And, and what Paul says that for in Christ in verse 6, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith. It doesn't matter if you've been marked by a blade as a child, it's faith that's important. That is the, the defining mark of those who are followers of Jesus. It's faith in Christ. So he goes on to speak about this legalism and this religious heart. I saw this definition for legalism. This is what it says. It is treating that which is good as though it were essential. Whenever Christians turn something valuable into something ultimate, legalism is at work and freedom is hindered. I'm trying to think of I was trying to think of a practical example, and you know that sometimes I might say things and people might get offended by that, but that's okay. A practical example is when I came here as the minister, the amount of people that were cross and frustrated that I don't preach from the pulpit, they couldn't, they couldn't grasp, how, how can that be possible? You should be standing in there. That's what ministers do. That's where sermons come from. And then we pushed the communion table back. And there was a bit of pushback against that as well. The services need to be taken from behind the, the, the communion table. That's how we've always done it. And then I, I, didn't, I don't wear a collar. I don't even wear a tie. I'm pretty much wearing a t-shirt. And people are offended by that as well. Why? Does it really change the sermon? Does it change the message we preach? Is the sermon more powerful standing up there than it is here? No. We know it's not. But these things which are good, the pulpits are great, they have their place, absolutely. But if we make something that is good as though it were essential, that's legalism. And what we're doing is we stifle freedom, we stifle what God longs to do. These things have their benefits and they're good in places, but they're not integral to the Christian faith, and they're not essential when it comes to the gospel. I remember being on a call and with other ministers, and they were mortified that I don't wear uh, a collar. How can people know that you're a minister if you don't wear the collar? To which I said, if people, the only way people know that you're a minister because you're wearing a collar you're doing ministry wrong. We need to be out in our community, getting to know people. These things aren't essential. They are good, but they're not essential. Legalism or a religious heart, friends, suffocates the freedom of Christ. That is the point Paul is making here. The freedom that Christ longs to give us and gives us through his death and resurrection, when legalism and a religious heart comes, it suffocates that. It steals from it. And if we're honest, 
it is a massive problem we have within the Church of Scotland. We have a spirit of legalism at work. And that's not a surprise when, when, when we're governed by articles and courts. That's how the Church of Scotland functions, is through articles and courts. Now, I'm a Presbyterian, and these things are great. But when we lean into these things more than we're leaning into the gospel and Jesus, there is a big problem that takes place. And the problem is this, that legalism goes up and the freedom in Christ suffocates. And what we're seeing here, friends, I made the joke last Sunday, and I hope you knew it was a joke, that we need to be careful or people are going to think we're starting enjoying ourselves coming along on a Sunday morning. What we're seeing here is the decrease of legalism and the increase of the freedom in Christ. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. It is what Christ wants as well. It is why he has set us free. It is for freedom. Not to be bound up in legalism or religious hearts, but to be lovers of Jesus. So he's going on and he's speaking about freedom and how that's what Christ has set us free for. That legalism when it comes to church is a real threat and an enemy of freedom. And then Paul in verse 13 to 15 shows us two things that freedom doesn't come at the cost of. The first is this. Freedom doesn't come at the cost of holiness. You are free in Christ. But that doesn't mean that you can live however you want to live. Freedom does not come at the cost of holiness. It doesn't give us license to do whatever we want, whenever we want. That's not what freedom is. Freedom actually means walking on the narrow path, on the way of life, in the footsteps of Jesus. We have this thinking in this world that freedom means to do whatever you want. You, you do you. How often do we hear that? You do you. As long as it makes you happy, it doesn't matter, does it? As long as you are happy, then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You do you. That is such a dangerous culture to build. That's not what biblical freedom is. Biblical freedom isn't you do you. Biblical freedom is surrender to Jesus. Bend the knee. Surrender to him. Freedom in life is actually found in surrendering to God. It sounds like a bit of a contradiction. But a life that is truly free is that life that is truly surrendered to the Lord. For us to be able to stand firm in freedom, as the Apostle Paul says, we first have to kneel at the cross of Calvary. So freedom looks like a life that embraces the holiness of God and is fully surrendered to him and his ways and his kingdom. So freedom doesn't come at the cost of holiness and freedom doesn't come at the cost of unity either. The Apostle Paul says we need to love one another. Only do not use your freedom, verse 13, as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. 
It's not about earthly or fleshly desires. That means like the things of this world, the evil practices of this world. That doesn't, freedom doesn't mean you can go and chase after that and do what you want. It doesn't come at the cost of holiness. And it also doesn't mean that we can just do whatever we want to other people. It doesn't come at the cost of unity. What we see in this world is the God of individualism on the rise. It's the same God as the God in the Garden of Eden. Eve, do what you want. You'll be like God. If I had a pound, like I said, for every time I heard someone say, you do you as long as it makes you happy, I'd be very, very rich. It's the wrong way to think, and we wonder why the world and society is falling apart. It's because we're telling people, chase after your own desires, do what you want. And what happens is we're all clambering over one another. We're standing on top of each other. It comes at the cost of each other. What Paul says here is that biblical freedom is done through having a love that looks to serve one another. Freedom doesn't come at the cost of unity. Then Paul says in verse 16, but I say to you, Walk by the Spirit, or walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So how do we stand firm in freedom as those free in Christ? How do we stand firm in this freedom that Jesus has set us free for? How do we live lives that are free, but also lives that are holy? How do we seek to love one another well and in freedom be united as God's family under the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we do these things? It's by walking in the Spirit. How do we stand firm? How do we achieve this freedom? Friends, it's only done by walking in the Spirit. This is where the believer's power comes from in this life. It is by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Lord says in his word, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That is how we are meant to live. Not by the might of Norman. I don't have to try and achieve these things by myself. It's not in my own power that I have to try and resist temptation. It is done in the power of of the Holy Spirit. Paul shows us that the battle against the flesh, the things of this world which he's warned us about, that freedom doesn't come at the cost of holiness, that the battle against flesh is overcome and won, how? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to live a life that walks in the Spirit? In the most simple of ways, it means to live a life that depends upon the power of God. Walking in the Spirit means living your life in the Spirit. As Jesus says, you know, that's the, the, the followers and worshipers that he, that he longs for, that we are to pray in the Spirit. We are to worship in the Spirit. We are to live lives in the Spirit, not by my own power that I have to try and achieve things. And friends, I think if we're really honest, we've often tried that, haven't we? We've tried to do church by ourselves. We've tried to do church in our own strength and our own power. It's never going to work. It's not possible. 
And why would you try and do it by yourself? That's what I don't understand. Any help I could get in school, I would take. I loved having that wee classroom assistant sit beside me and help me in school. We have the greatest assistant in this world, the greatest empower in this world, the greatest equipper in this world. He's the Holy Spirit. And he's not just cheering you on from the sideline. He wants to fill you and strengthen you and empower you so that you can be all and do all that God has called you to do. God has given us all we need in Christ and it is ours through and by the power of the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit portrays that we have a dependency upon God. Your Christian walk should be in the steps of the Holy Spirit. I, 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 would, I would be amazed if we did a, a kind of poll I mean, around churches in our presbytery and asked Give us a show of hands if you've had a sermon on the Holy Spirit in the last year. I'd be amazed if there was 20% of hands went up in that room. We don't talk about Him. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And we wonder why we're in decline. We're trying to do life without Him. It's not possible. We need Him. And God has given us His Spirit so that we can be all and do all that he longs for us to do. And as we walk in the Spirit and as we grow in maturity in doing so, we learn his voice. We know his voice. We know his promptings. We know his leadings. We know when, he, when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something. I mean, I, again, I, I, would, I would ask you, you know, have you ever heard from the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit ever spoken to you? Maybe a lot of us will go, nah, not Not me. But then if I was to ask you, have you ever been kind of prompted to, you know, pick up the phone and phone someone and they go, oh, thank you so much. You don't know how much I needed that. You think you've got some extra third sense that led you to that call? Sinclair Ferguson calls that a holy hunch. I call that acknowledgement and a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Learn to hear his voice. He speaks to you if you're a follower of Jesus. Learn his voice. Learn when he speaks to you and he leads you and he guides you. It scares me the amount of opportunities that I've missed out on. When I've gone, nah, I'm not sure. Maybe it's not him. Know his voice. Learn his promptings. Walk in the Spirit. We realize, friends, in this life, as we gather around his presence, and as we sit under the preaching of his word, there will be moments in your life when the Lord places his finger upon something in your life and goes, see that? That needs to go. That needs to go. That bit doesn't glorify me. I need that bit to go. And what we often think is, how am I going to do that? I can't do that we see here is that we don't do it in our own strength. I say, this is what verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Stop fighting against this world in your own strength. You will not overcome it by yourself. God has given you His Spirit 
so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He longs to empower you and equip you. As we begin to wrap things up this morning, I want us to hear once again the words that we read last Sunday morning from Billy Graham that we quoted, where he said, everywhere I go, and remember the amount of places that Billy Graham used to go and speak at was incredible. If anyone had like an oversight on an overview of what was going on globally within the evangelical church, Billy Graham would have had a good finger on the pulse. Everywhere I go, he says, I find that people, God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected, and they often have recurring defeats in their lives. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up this morning, but I wonder, is that you? Do you think, that's exactly how I feel? I've asked Jesus into my life. I've put my trust in him. But I feel like there's just something that I've not got. I feel like ever since I've done that, I've had these battles and all that's happening is I'm tripping up and I'm getting more deflated and I feel defeated and I don't know what to do. Billy Graham goes on and says, Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. To live and stand in the freedom of Christ, we must live and walk in the Spirit of God. This isn't about religion. And I'm, I'm done with religion. I've come from a religious island. I've seen it. And I know what it does. It suffocates people. It brings people down. And it breeds arrogance and pride. And I'm finished with it. I'm done with religion. What I long for is relationship with Jesus. Jesus has never wanted religion. He has always wanted your heart. Freedom doesn't come at the cost of holiness, and it doesn't come at the cost of unity, and it is only possible through the power of God's Spirit. Legalism, Paul tells us, strangles and robs the freedom of Christ that God came to give his church. Again, friends, it must be stressed. I've spoken about this a lot, and we're going to continue to preach this Sunday by Sunday. You're the temple of the living God. You have a spirit living and dwelling within you. You have everything you need. And with this being the case, Friends, what we want to see is the desires for earthly things and fleshly things decrease and a desire and a longing for the kingdom of God to break out. That's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from legalism, freedom from sin, freedom from fear. There is freedom in Christ it is freedom in worship. I don't know, you've probably heard this one about 
And with this, I'm about to finish, I promise. The story of a, a lady who had visited a, a place she wasn't from, and she was a Christian, she went to church, and she went along to the service, and she sat at the back, and the worship was going on, and she was just someone who just, was just free in worship. She just loved worshiping the Lord, and uh, she'd gone to uh, some sort of Presbyterian church, probably, and uh, at the end of it, she said, praise the Lord. And the gentleman in front of her turned around and said, shh, we don't praise the Lord in this place. began talking about my encounter I had with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to finish with it again. My encounter changed a lot in my life. It changed the desires I had. It changed the direction I was going in. It changed the longing for me to tell people about Jesus. But one of the biggest areas of transformation that it brought was in my worship. Because I no longer cared who was around me. Quite frankly, when I'm singing, it's just me and Jesus in the room. No longer was I just singing words on a screen. Words that were good to good tunes. I was no longer just doing that. I wasn't just singing words on a screen about God. It was as though I started lifting praise to Him. That is freedom in worship. That is worship in the Spirit. When we go from singing about Him and we start singing to him. He's so worthy. It was as though my head and my heart were now connected. The worship moved from up here. All these Bible verses and songs that I knew could recite to you. And they made the longest journey that this world has. Often from a man's head to a man's heart. And I, I honestly believe that there's some of us here this morning and we, we want to know freedom. We want to be free. We see others around us who, when they worship, they're just so joyful and we think, I want to be like that. You can. But often what we need to do is we need to break through that religious heart. So why don't we pray just now and ask the Lord to do that. Father God, we thank you for your spirit that you have given us, that you have not left us by ourselves, that you have sent, Lord, the comforter, the one who equips us, the one who empowers us to be all and do all that you have called us to be and do as your church and as your bride. Forgive us, Lord, when we have tried to, and when we try to live the Christian life in our own strength, Lord, and we know that that's not possible. We need you. So again, Lord, we ask, come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come and fill us and fill this place. Break off the religious spirit, Lord, that may even try to attach to us now. Lord, as we sit there and we feel ourselves tensing up and hardening at what's been said, Lord, I pray that you would break that spirit now. Bring your freedom, Lord. God, people don't just need another church service. They need an encounter with the Savior. Lord, you have promised where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Lord, let that be so. May the words go from our heads to our hearts. 
May we step into all who you call for us to be as your bride. Help us to stand firm in freedom. For it is freedom that Christ has set us free for. And Lord, may that happen now. May that transformation take place in our hearts in this very moment. And Lord, as we even end our service together by singing, My Jesus, my Savior. Lord, may the words go from our heads to our hearts. Lord, may our hearts burn within us. May we encounter you, Lord, however you long to encounter us. May, you, may that happen in this very moment. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We ask these things in your name. Amen.